Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Congratulations if you made it to the next round of your fantasy playoffs. My condolences if you did not. And, I mean, I could. I'm not going to do it today because we have so, so many things to go over on today's show. We got a 30 team weekend recap. We got to do our reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We also have a brand new reset on our long streaming discussion. And I think, all told, that'll take at least 45 minutes, maybe longer. But I got to say, I remain extraordinarily irritated with head to head playoffs. I, I'm, I, you know, there's nothing more that I can say that you guys haven't heard me say already on this front. I tweeted out a picture of what my lineup looked like yesterday. I lost six players during last week in one of my uh, head-to-head matchups. What the hell are you supposed to do with that? I got so annoyed. I know it's the same tweet I talked about on Friday's show. I got so annoyed with the tweet that I was like, well, if you have depth, you should be fine. No. No. Because during this part of the season, more than one guy typically goes down. Somehow I played a team that lost one game to injury the entire week, but that's not the norm. That's not the norm. I lost Jordan Clarkson for the bulk of the week. Boyan Bogdanovich went down for the week. Mark Williams went down for most of the week. Uh, Darius Garland missed a game in the middle of the week. Brandon Ingram missed most of his week. And on and on and on and on. Try Roto with me next year is what I would say. I know you guys are all going to end up back in your head-to-head leagues because that's just the nature of the beast. But try Roto with me. I really think you'll enjoy it. It's a different kind of strategy. A lot of people try Roto for a first time and go, Oh my god, oh no! It's different! I don't like it! It's different! But it's good different. Once you start to figure it out, you'll realize it really does crown the team that had the best draft and picked up the best players during the season and didn't rely on one very lucky week in March. That doesn't sound so bad to me. I know for many of you, you've got whatever it is, 25 bucks on your league or or something like that, and you're in it for the excitement factor. And there is more of that in head-to-head this time of year, where you're watching the games on Sunday and you're going, come on, get a rebound, you idiot. You don't have that so much in Roto. You'll have a little bit of that as the season winds down. But you've been working all year long. Every day along the way has been critical in building up whatever it is that you built on your Roto side. Whatever. Let's talk fantasy basketball. You guys don't care about that. Anyway, congrats again to anybody that moved on. We'll talk playoff streaming towards the end of the show. Uh, We need to get into the weekend stuff. This is Fantasy NBA Today, by the way. Uh, Simulcast, as always, on YouTube and on all recorded podcast channels. I am your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. On the Twitters, I hope to see you over there as well. Sports Ethos is sportsethos.com and at ethosfantasybk for basketball, BB for baseball, FB for football. I hope you guys will join us at at least one, hopefully all, HK, by the way, for hockey of our fantasy news feeds. Jumping in quickly here. I got to get through the weekend. We don't have all day, people. Brooklyn beat Denver 122-120. Nuggets have not so quietly fallen into a weird little funk of late. 
It felt like maybe they built too much of a lead in the Western Conference and then just kind of took their foot off the gas. They still have a five-game edge on the Kings and the Grizzlies, but this is inarguably the worst stretch the Nuggets have played all season long. I'm sure they'll snap out of the funk anytime soon, but in the meantime, not a whole lot to worry about on the fantasy side. Jamal Murray, you know, the question of whether or not he uh, will play every ball game the rest of the way remains kind of up in the air when they have this giant lead. Will Jokic get some days off? Nuggets do have a back-to-back towards the tail end of this week. Then they roll into a two-gamer, so things lighten up quite a bit, but that's just something to keep an eye on. And You know, you've got Bruce Brown waiting in the wings, as he has all season long. Over on the Brooklyn side, I, you know, I'm not going to outright say you need to go grab like a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal or anything like that. I still think it's the main four guys of Dinwiddie, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Claxton. But at least some of these other dudes on Brooklyn have slid into a schedule stream posture and a pretty safe one at that for Finney-Smith, for Royce O'Neal in particular. Cleveland took care of Charlotte, 114-108 game that was probably closer than it needed to be Nick Richards is the hot pickup of the well du jour I guess Uh, Charlotte has a terrible schedule this week but he's playing his tail off right now Dennis Smith Jr. got to start with Kelly Oubre getting a day off I don't know I I mean in a two-game week I'd be a little surprised if the regulars got rest days but I guess you never know and if they do and you're looking for kind of that quick explosion Dennis Smith Jr. is one guard away, as we can see, from very large fantasy games. Something to keep in the back of your mind if we get any kind of word on... And this is more for the Roto Games Cap side, because you're not picking up... You're definitely not using a roster move to add a Hornet this week. You're just kind of deciding, how long do I hold the ones that I already have? And I think the answer is probably through tomorrow, but again, we'll talk more about that during the schedule part of the proceedings. No other real news on the Charlotte side. As long as Mark Williams is out, Nick Richards is a very easy play, and he was excellent in this ballgame again with nobody at all challenging him for playing time right now. De'Anthony Melton only 21 minutes, but he was extremely useful in them. Three threes, six boards, four assists, two blocks, blowout win. He continues to do just enough to hold his roster spot. Every time I think that Melton's run out of gas puts like a half a gallon back in the tank. He doesn't fill up the whole tank at the gas station. DeAnthony is just a little squirt. That's a gross way to think about putting gas in your car. Washington, you can kind of throw this one out. Uh, They got clobbered, um, but we were trying to get some more data on Daniel Gafford and DeLon Wright. Um, DeLon, you know, he's not going to have the top 50 run he had when Monte Morris was out. But he was a top 100 guy, or a little bit better than that even, when Morris was playing. So for most formats, I think you're holding on to DeLon. I know that the Wizards don't have a good schedule to start this week. Gafford, to me, is more of a schedule play. I think that's what we were talking about towards the end of last week. Same story for Corey Kispert. And then you've kind of got your main dudes out there. But again, they they just got clubbed in this one, so don't read too much into it. Portland was without Damian Lillard, and they got destroyed, as you'd expect. I'm a little bit worried that the Blazers have sort of seen... They're they're walking towards the light right now. Portland's six games under 500. they They're two back of the 10 seed, but they're also two back of four teams all tied for the 9-10 spots right now. So not only did I have to play better, 
but they need a couple of teams to lose, not just one, a bunch. Uh, as far as schedule goes, I think theirs is actually not particularly difficult, but if this Dame thing turns out to be anything more than a little small deal, the that's trouble, but I wouldn't worry yet. We're not quite close enough to the end of the year to say, oh, well, this is you know the beginning of the end for the Blazers. They still are close enough where they're going to fight a little bit longer. But they got to find a way to win some ball games, and uh, this would have been a good one to try to start with. But yeah, I mean, it's just not going to happen without Dame. If Lillard misses any additional time, we all know that Anthony Simons is going to take every shot on the planet. Cam Reddish slides back into the starting lineup in this spot, and then he becomes useful again. But again, I, you know, I it just feels like Dame is going to be back, and you know, maybe I misread that, but I don't think I did. Meantime, on the New Orleans side, Brandon Ingram missed both halves of the Pelicans back-to-back, which, I mean, I told myself at the beginning of the year I wasn't going to touch Brandon Ingram, and I drafted him in one head-to-head league, and he pretty much ruined that season for my team by missing two months and occupying the only IL slot we have in that league, and then now missed two critical games while I was trying to fight my way into the last playoff spot. So screw you, Brandon Ingram. You are probably... Yeah, I mean, you're probably the most annoying player to have in fantasy this year. I thought it was going to be Chris Middleton, but uh, Middleton at least has been playing lately, missing back-to-backs, but at least he played, Ingram. You turd. Uh, Pelicans have one game the first four days this week, so I don't know what we're going to get out of Ingram. They host the Lakers. You know he's going to want to be in for that ballgame tomorrow on Tuesday. If he comes back... uh. My assumption is that he takes the starting spot of Trey Murphy, but then Najee Marshall was also in the starting lineup for this ballgame. So they're mixing and matching a little bit right now. Uh, Pelicans are hard to read. Josh Richardson had a big ball game. Herb Jones is a hold, so at least that's an easy call. Uh, CJ McCollum, his percentage has been all over the map this year, but at least that's a relatively easy call. You're pretty much making your decisions based on whether or not Brandon Ingram is playing. And the Pels are frankly not a great schedule team right now, so this is a hard one to read at the moment. Oklahoma City rested a couple of their guys, took care of a tanking Spurs team anyway. Uh, I would expect Shea back for the Thunder's next ball game. They play Brooklyn tomorrow. Jalen Williams probably back in for that game as well, so don't read too much into this particular box score. Although I will say the safety of an Isaiah Joe stream with Shea out appears to no longer be very highly marked. He's just wrapped up in the carousel with everybody else. As far as the Spurs go, they rested a couple of folks on Sunday, which, I mean, kind of silly given that they only played two damn games last week. But this is what you do when you want to make sure you're losing ball games. If the team you're playing is resting a bunch of guys, you have to rest a few extra. So no Keldon Johnson, no Trey Jones. Malachi Branham left this game very early. Not that that one was a big deal anyway. Devin Vassell is cold. He's still kind of working the rust off after his very long absence. It pushed Devontae Graham back into a big job. We saw him get a healthy DNP a couple, what, a Friday? I think it was. I mean, it's all... They have a back-to-back. Spurs have a back-to-back coming up. I would assume that basically every single fantasy-relevant player on San Antonio sits at least one of those two games, and it's possible that they sit two of the four games this week, even though the other ones are not part of a back-to-back. 
So who the hell is safe on this club right now? Charles Bassey is actually relatively safe. He played 15 minutes here, but if Collins sits, he'll play more like mid-20s, and he can rack up fantasy stats in a hurry. Kata Bates-Jop is playing every game at the very least, so it makes him an interesting schedule play later this week. Vassell I'm holding, I think even in a three-game week, he's probably good enough. Collins, same story, in a three-game week, he's good enough to start. Trey Jones, does he even see three games this week? He's close. I don't think that I would risk it. I feels like it's probably not going to be enough on the Trey Jones front. Jeremy Sohan is not a great nine-cap player anyway, but does he even get to three games? Probably not. All of these guys are folks you're going to be considering starting tomorrow, but as you know, Roto Games Cap goes, and if you don't want to, if you're okay with a dude playing every other day, Vassell, Collins, Trey Jones are useful. If a couple guys sit, you could go Devontae Graham. So there's just a lot rotating in San Antonio right now, and it makes it hard to just make a an outright call on anyone for the Spurs because it changes hour to hour right now. Screw that. Knicks beat the Lakers. Knicks continue to be one of the better road teams in the NBA. They're 21-14 and 14 on the road. Is that the best road record in the NBA? Uh, Celtics are 21-12. and 12. Bucks are 20-13, and 13, which is basically a, a statistical tie there. Ever so slightly ahead. Um, but that's... Knicks have the third best road record in the league. Second and a half, if you want to call it that. I think... I feel like the Lakers may have taken them a bit lightly without Jalen Brunson. And... Although at the same time, you know, it was just one of those games where Anthony Davis wasn't very good. And the Knicks beat the Lakers up on the glass... And that was the difference in the ballgame. Knicks out-rebounded the Lakers 46-37. to If that is an even number, Lakers either win it or this game goes to overtime because it was tight pretty much throughout. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein had a really nice ball game in his 24 bench minutes. Um, just outplayed Mitchell Robinson, but I don't expect that'll happen again. Emmanuel quickly is a start while Jalen Brunson's out. Josh Hart still generally startable. They're just a lot better when he plays, and you can see his minutes continue to trend up. As the Lakers go, we now have a couple of games of D'Angelo Russell back to, to try to size up the everyone else part of this extravaganza. And as expected, Dennis Schroeder, not that great with D'Lo back. He had a pretty good ball game against Toronto. Raptors played a unique type of defense that tried to force Anthony Davis to just get rid of the basketball every single time he touched it. And so D'Lo and Schroeder and Reeves and the guards had the ball and were driving constantly. So they had bigger ball games in that one. And this is, I think, maybe more what you can expect most days, which is a lot of D-low, a lot of AD, and then everybody else gets what's left. The Rui Hachimura actually played a pretty good ball game yesterday for LA. But in terms of fantasy assets, Vanderbilt got pushed around by Julius Randle. That's a bad matchup for him. He's just too strong. Vanderbilt probably should have been on RJ Barrett. I think the Lakers stuck Malik Beasley or Troy Brown on him for a little bit, and those guys were getting roasted. They needed a little bit more length there, but then who the hell would have been dealing with Randall? If Robinson is around, they're just... Lakers really needed LeBron for this one. They needed a super strong power forward, and that's the thing they don't have while he's out. They have energy, they have length, they have AD at center, but they don't have the strong guy left on the team anymore. 
made this game tougher. No question. But fantasy-wise, it's kind of what we expected. A lot of Lakers that had value when D'Lo was out don't now. Let's turn the clock back to Saturday. We'll wipe out uh, most of the other teams in the NBA. I'm trying to remember. Did anybody not go over the weekend? There were like one or two teams, I think, right? Minnesota didn't go over the weekend. Toronto, those are the only two. See, I'm ready for the Friday part of this show this time. I'm never ready for the Friday part of the show, but I am this time. All right. Uh, we talked about the Knicks, the Clippers. They're turning back into a three-horse team again. Kawhi, PG, and Zubats, who's still holding off Mason Plumley somehow. As expected, the Clippers figured out, only took them like three or four games, that Russell Westbrook should not be playing in the fourth quarter. And he's not anymore. I think you might see him get into a fourth quarter if the Clippers are trying to sort of catch that energy lightning. But Terrence Mann, typically a better fit. Nick Batum, a better fit. You saw more Eric Gordon in this ball game. None of those guys is going to have fantasy value, but the uh, end result is that Russ, who never should have been playing 30-some-odd minutes for this team, was for a week and now wasn't. Anywho... Uh, we talked Charlotte already. This is what they looked like when Kelly Oubre was playing, which is a lot of Kelly Oubre. <laughs> uh, but what about the Utah side? Still no Colin Sexton, no Jordan Clarkson. Do either of those guys resurface here during a two-game week? I don't know. We'll have more information by later on today. Uh, but THT has a whole crap ton of usage. Chris Dunn is... Uh, he got shoved out in this one because Taylor Horton Tucker was playing so much better. But I still like Chris Dunn. Uh, I actually like both of them while Clarkson and, and Sexton are out. When one of those two comes back, I probably favor Dunn. I just, I mean, this is the huge game from THT. This is the, the as good as it gets moment for him. And for Utah, they're sort of like they're semi trying still. This was one of those kind of throwaway games where you just. You get the free win. And for the Jazz, frankly, they've kind of had a couple of those. Not that the Magic are tanking or anything, but Utah had this little mini stretch over the weekend where they got to play super easy teams. And life gets tougher now for the Jazz. Their schedule gets crazy complicated over the next week and a half to two weeks. They have the Heat, the Celtics, the Kings, the Blazers, who are stinking it up right now, but they're also fighting. The Bucks and the Kings again, and then the Suns before they finally have the Spurs, which is a gimme. That's March 29th. The Jazz are in real jeopardy right now of going, what did I say, 0-7? But if they beat the Blazers in there, maybe, could they go 1-6? They could very easily go 1-6, and that would pretty much end things for Utah. And then March 29th, is that what I said that was? That's when you really start to worry about, does Olenek play anymore? Do they start to go easy on Kessler? They're sort of prized youngsters. Does Lowry Markinen play anymore after that date? He was awful in this ballgame, but they won anyway. Something to keep in mind for Utah. But I think we've got another, I mean, maybe even before the end of that, but a little bit longer here, they're going to hang in there because they're still tied for that 10 seed. Thanks to the, the kind of the two gimmies over the last four days or whatever it was. Indy beat Detroit, but again... We talk about throwaway games. Tyrese Halliburton sat this one out. Miles Turner sat this one out. The answer to your question is yes. It's kind of the beginning of that stuff for Indiana. They're still close. They're still only a half game back of the Bulls. So they haven't given up yet. 
but they're not going to push their guys at this point because that's just it's not a, a championship level team. There's sort of no reason to go crazy. I do still think they want to make the playoffs. So when Halliburton is ready to go, he'll play. When Miles is ready to go, he'll play. Buddy Heald, by the way, is questionable for their next ball game. It just feels like the Pacers are kind of taking it easy because they've got Detroit again. This is the game where if you wanted to give a couple dudes a day off, you can do it, and the team you're playing against is going to basically make sure that you beat them. So don't worry too much yet, but it does turn a lot of Pacers into a two-game week. So on the head-to-head side, that's going to be a real pain in the neck. And then as far as do you want to go short-term injury replacement, which is, again, more of a roto games cap type of move because the Pacers schedule is not particularly good this week. Isaiah Jackson is a shoe-in if he's starting, which he did the last one. Uh, If Halliburton sits... You look at T.J. McConnell, but he also sat. And if he's out too, you go Andrew Nemhart. That one's a priority totem pole. You just kind of work your way down the board. Uh, and then if Buddy Heald sits, I don't think that I would start Chris Duarte in Roto. But, you know, if you had a pacer, he would be the one that would hang in there a little bit longer. And then Detroit, they've got stuff shifting again. Marvin Bagley is hurt again, turned an ankle. Or is he just a sore? It doesn't matter. His ankle hurts. Uh, They don't have Isaiah Stewart for the season, so they really don't have any power forwards left, which means Isaiah Livers probably slides up and plays some power forward. They might be forced to go Duran and Wiseman at the same time, which means zero floor spacing of any kind. But the good news is, because so many guys are out for Detroit, Burks is out uh, in addition to Bagley, um, they're almost forced to play the other guys because they were down to nine men in the rotation. You really can't lose many other players or you're going to risk hurting the guys that you're actually still rolling out there. So for Detroit, they've got this back-to-back. They've got three and four to start the week. Isaiah Livers is probably going to have to play about 40 minutes in these games. Killian Hayes is going to have to play 30-some-odd minutes. Duran's going to be back in the mid-20s. Corey Joseph is probably going to be at 25 or higher. There's a lot of streaming options. On the Roto side, I don't know that I'm playing any of them. It is actually very important that I sneak in a promo here, but that's because I got to tell you guys about our buddies at ExpressVPN.com. Guys, going online without ExpressVPN is like using your smartphone without a case. Some of you might actually do this, you heathens, and most of the time, yeah, maybe you'll be fine. But all it takes is one drop, and then you would wish you had protected yourself. Same thing with VPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafeterias, hotels, airports, whatever, your online data is not secured. Any hacker on the same network can get access and steal your personal information, your passwords, your financial data, whatever. And it doesn't take like a super techie to do it. Some cheap hardware can make it can make it happen. If you're sitting in a Starbucks and you see a 12-year-old in the corner with sunglasses on, look out. Hackers can make up to a grand selling your info on the dark web. Don't let them do it. Okay? Don't let them do it. Use ExpressVPN because it's secure, because it's super simple. That's probably the easiest reason of all. All you got to do is turn on the app, click one button, and bingo. You're secure in an encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. 
Hackers can't steal your data. Works on phones, laptops, tablets, more. Can stay secure on the go. I mean, it's so easy. I like ExpressVPN personally because it is so simple and I feel safe. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yeah, our old name. That's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash hoopball. And you can get an extra three months free with your one-year subscription. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Check them out right now. I haven't been a huge fan of Liver's fantasy game, but if he's really going to go out there and take 20 shots, I think you almost have no choice but to fire him up. Uh, the Wiseman Duran thing, to me, probably requires a little more sizing up. Because, again, not every game is going to be against the ultra-high-paced Pacers, even though today's happens to be. Uh, would I start these guys in Roto is the question. Because I would definitely start these guys in head-to-head with the back-to-back and the 3-4. and four. But in Roto, I mean, Duran's the guy that I would probably look at first. And then Killian Hayes is the guy I would probably look at second, or if you want to put him in there with Livers as kind of a tie. That's where I'm sitting on that one. Miami, Miami, they're a broken team, man. Say what you want about the Heat. They're the seventh seed. They're not getting out of the play-in. They're just trying to hold on to the, you know, two-to-win-one side of the play-in tournament, and it looks like they probably will do that. So, you know, good for the Heat. Uh, Jimmy Butler's trying to carry them, and it's not working. Bam Adebayo has good games most of the time, but Tyler Hero playing through, I think they said he had diarrhea, which super fun. I've been wanting to say that on a podcast for a long time. Uh, he tried to play. It didn't go that great. Victor Oladipo saw his minutes come back down even because he wasn't really making his shots, but he's actually been kind of roto startable lately. Kyle Lowry played, but now he's listed as questionable because we just don't know if his knee's going to hold up. But frankly, they kind of need him to get back to normal speed. I mean, to dump him back into a game and play him 36 minutes in overtime is not a good idea. Anyway, with Lowry back around, probably. Not that you hadn't already dropped Gabe Vincent, but that becomes a, a pretty straightforward call. Um, Butler, Bam, Oladipo... Well, I should say Hero first. Oladipo is the one that's kind of on the cusp for me for Miami, but those are the ones you're looking at. On the Orlando side, uh, Franz Wagner turned an ankle here, and this might finally be the thing that allows Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs to coexist, which was someone playing close to 30 minutes needs to get out of the way because there just sort of weren't enough minutes available for both Anthony and Suggs to play unless they were both having fantastic ball games. That was the only time we saw it happen, and that meant that, you know, Gary Harris, who rested a couple in there, he got sort of aced out of some minutes in that ball game, or maybe they went small for a stretch, but they had too many guys in Orlando that they need to force into the lineup that it just wasn't working. But now, Orlando, who actually has a good schedule this week starting tomorrow, you might see Harris rest a game or two this week. Franz is likely to miss a ball game. I think he's questionable, but if he misses a game, then you could probably go both Anthony and Suggs on the head-to-head side at the very least, and maybe even on the Roto side. Mo Wagner, by the way, a very obvious drop now that Wendell Carter Jr. is back. Boston, no big news there. We're just sort of waiting on a Time Lord update. He's likely to join them at some point during this six-game road trip, but it's about a week and a half, two-week-long roadie, so it doesn't give us much of a window. 
And in the meantime, just enjoy the boost to Al Horford. Timeshare City continues. That is Atlanta by now. Atlanta is Timeshare City. Sadiq Bey, uh, Anyika Okongwu, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, who played 39 minutes here. So a little bit less Hunter, but uh, certainly John Collins. These guys are all rotating who gets to do stuff on a game-to-game basis. It has made all of them extremely annoying to try to roster in fantasy. They are, in my estimation, schedule streams. And for Atlanta... Not a good time to do it. They had their really good schedule that rolled through this last Saturday, but now they lightened up, and they have one game over five days starting yesterday. That game happens to be today, by the way. So if you have a Hawk, play them today, but then get the hell out of the way because they got three days off after this one. Chicago's had a terrible schedule. It gets a little bit better starting on Wednesday. So if you were looking ahead, that would be a team you could kind of eyeball a few of their Caruso's or Pat Wills or Pat Bev's or whatever, but for now, you know, no changes there. Houston, Jabari Smith Jr. really seems like it's finally started to click. Rockets have four games this week and next week. I expect him to play in all eight of those with the game finally starting to come around for him. Wow. I mean, you only had to wait five months. Don't draft rookies, ladies and gentlemen, because typically uh, you're not going to make it this far with a guy rolling top 200 on your team the entire season. Tari Eason slowed down a little bit in this ballgame. He still had four threes, but he had five fouls in 21 minutes. Uh, Don't worry too much about that. Otherwise, for the Rockets, everything kind of remaining the same. Jalen Green is back in there. Uh, He's had to sort of give way a tiny bit on the field goal volume part of the ledger now that Jabari Smith Jr. is playing a little better. And look, I'll be honest, the Rockets are a less disturbing team to watch when it's not just Green and Kevin Porter taking 20 shots each and uh, getting their butts kicked. Grizzlies beat the Mavs. Mavericks were down both superstars in this ballgame. I thought Christian Wood would get more playing time with no Luka and no Kyrie, um, but apparently not. Tim Hardaway's still on his heater right now. Uh, We're waiting on status reports for the various Mavericks at the moment. Uh, Dallas does go tonight. They've got Memphis at home, so this is a home-and-home situation. Kyrie's questionable. I think Luka's already been ruled out. I still think Christian Wood is a safe play with at least one of the Mavs superstars on the shelf, but, you know, this ballgame showed me that maybe that's not necessarily the case. I I would still likely stick with it. And then you can roll Tim Hardaway as long as he's still hot lava hot these days which he has been I can't believe that dude got two blocks that may have actually ended one of my fantasy seasons Tim Hardaway Jr. blocking two shots unbelievable Josh Green probably a start if both stars are out not one or the other but both for Memphis David Roddy had a big ball game but you can generally ignore that Tyus Jones Xavier Tillman those are the replacement guys that you're rolling with on the Memphis side Warriors beat the Bucks in overtime. No Giannis uh, for Milwaukee in that one, but he is questionable for the Bucks game tonight. Uh, Milwaukee's on a back-to-back in Sacramento and in Phoenix. I would be surprised to see Giannis play in both halves of that back-to-back, so my guess is that he'll just pick one or the other. This is kind of a difficult, very fast West Coast swing for the Buckaroos. We know Bobby Portis goes big when Giannis sits. Middleton finally up to starters minutes. Thank the good Lord, but he'll sit one half of the back-to-back. Also, 
Joe Ingles will be very good in the whatever half of the back-to-back that the Stars sit out for Milwaukee. And uh, now that Drew Holiday's rolling, that probably puts Javon Carter on ice. Grayson Allen also has a shot to be kind of an interesting streamer here at the beginning of the week. For the Warriors, we got a report over the weekend that they're hoping to have Andrew Wiggins back at some point this year. What a crazy report to get when he's out on a personal absence. They said whatever's going on in his personal life is way more important than whatever's going on in the NBA. So to that end, all we can say is hopefully Wiggins is all right. I mean, that's a pretty unpleasant report. But in the meantime, Dante DiVincenzo, keep it going, baby. Just do your thing. This is what Oklahoma City looked like uh, when they had their players in. So a lot of Shea, a lot of Jalen Williams, and then uh, a decent amount of Josh Giddy, and then everybody else is a whatever. Sacramento, this was the Malik Monk game. He does this every once in a while, and it renders Kevin Herter fairly useless. Sometimes you get a, a bigger game from someone like a Trey Lyles, or in this case, it was a bigger game from Kessler Edwards, and that rendered Keegan Murray fairly useless. Uh, no valuation changes for me on Sacramento. Plus, they're moving into a really good scheduling run where the Kings have a 5-7 and seven starting on Wednesday. Look ahead. Suns. Just trying to weave their way through this thing without Kevin Durant. They'll be fine. Suns are good enough with all the rest of their guys. But, I mean, this does cut them down a bit, you know? They had Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges there. And those guys are now just gone. But the replacement dude isn't. I do like that uh, the Suns have been putting up some gigantic fantasy lines lately. So I'll take that. Josh Okogie is the safer play over Terrence Ross. I know Ross is, is on one of his little, you know, flamethrower type things. But... We know how those go. All of a sudden, it's just going to end, and it's going to be a blaze of glory when it does. Okogi is your stream while Kevin Durant remains out. Flipping very quickly over to Friday for a Minnesota and Toronto quick check. There isn't a whole lot to look at with the Wolves. Rudy Gobert is questionable with a left ankle situation. If he's out, Nas Reed would obviously be a really intriguing play, but... The Wolves' schedule is, it's, I mean, it's good this week, but it's a little bit more back-loaded. And I would assume that Gobert is is back at least at some point by the middle of the week. Uh, still, you know, if you're just looking for the four games, Reed is something. Um, you know, if we find out Gobert's out, you could potentially make that move to Reed today and then just hope that you can get half-usable lines the rest of the week with one big one. I don't know, I mean... You guys know how much I hate using roster moves on Monday. And then for Toronto, Gary Trent has been downright horrible lately. Horrible. He's completely lost his mojo since moving out of the starting five this time around. The previous time they moved him out of the starting five, uh, it was to insert whatever it was. I think, like, Precious was playing a little bit at that point. So Trent could very easily carve out his role. Right now, if he's not good, he doesn't play. Roto, I'm benching Gary Trent Jr. Head-to-head, I'm holding because they have a four-game week, but Roto, he doesn't need to be in your lineup right now. All right, that's your 30-team review. We need to pivot very quickly now to your upcoming schedule because it's playoff week, baby. You, I mean, you can't be screwing around at this point. You got to be getting your maximum weeks. So let's look at a streaming schedule. First of all, The bad schedules this week. Let's do that one quickly. The Knicks have two games. 
The Jazz have two games. I don't know why I'm doing it sort of out of alphabetical order. And the Hornets have two games, which is something that we've been talking about for a little while because the Hornets and the Knicks in particular had good schedules at the tail end of last week. I think you guys probably expect me to come on here, and I'm guessing most analysts are telling you just abandon ship on all of them immediately. I actually disagree. Because if your fantasy season continues beyond this week, anyone that's inside the top 50 or 60, you should be holding even through a two-game week. Also, for Utah, they play tonight in a two-game week, and then they're off for four days. So for Jazz... Honestly, I don't know that there's anybody on the Jazz besides Lowry Markinen that I would hold through a two-game week in general. But you can hold all of them through their game this evening. There's no reason to move on from a player that you've liked to this point because their schedule gets bad. Get the game out of them. And then move on tomorrow. Again, the only Jazz I believe you need to hold is Lowry Markinen after they play today. The Knicks, if you like the Knicks players that you have on your team. And, you know, in their defense, the Knicks that have been rostered most of the year have generally been pretty highly ranked fantasy players like Julius Randle, like Jalen Brunson. uh, Even Mitchell Robinson has been ranked pretty high uh, for most of the year. I know it like he's bounced around a tiny bit since coming back from injury, but the Knicks do have a handful of dudes that have been pretty highly ranked. I believe that because roster moves are so precious right now, especially after watching one of my teams lose six players in a week to different injuries, I really would have liked to have had all four of my moves to just unload guys that were going to get a zero, but I had actually moved off of players last week that had two game weeks. Like, I had dropped, I think I dropped a couple of San Antonio Spurs last week, so I had to use a couple moves there, and then I only had two or three moves left when six of my damn players went down. I mean, I was pretty much cooked at that point, obviously. But that's why I don't want to use moves super early in the week. I get it. If you have an injured player, that's the time to use a move early in the week. But even then, if it's a good injured player, as much as it hurts to take a zero on a Monday, it's probably a better idea to just take that zero and hope that they're back for their next one. I'm trying to think of a good example of this, of someone who's not like an obvious hold. Because, you know, Dallas, Luka, Kyrie, if they miss their ball game today, you're probably not dropping those guys. And frankly, they're likely on can't-cut lists in most fantasy leagues anyway. But there are more uh, fringy guys that are likely game-time calls that are going to get ruled out at some point today where I would still say probably hang on to those dudes. Now, if it's someone who's very fringy and they get ruled out today, fine, move on, because super fringy guy, you know, cut down to a three-game week that if they miss another game, it gets cut down to two. That's not something you need to hold on to. But in general, you are not making a move today. In general, you are not making a move today. It has to be, in my estimation, kind of extenuating circumstances to require it. The Knicks play tomorrow, much like the Hornets, and then have three days off. So again, I know a lot of folks are going to say, get the hell off of the Knicks as fast as you can. But I think if you have these kind of fringy New York players, and right now Josh Hart is actually a pretty good example of that because he's been hovering more around the 100 range, a little bit behind that lately. 
You can hold on to Hart and get his ball game tomorrow in Portland, which will probably be a pretty high-scoring game. It's, I don't call it a revenge game or anything, but it is against a team that he played with previously and had nothing but nice things to say about. So, I, you know, there's not going to be like, you know, the chip on the shoulder kind of game. But sometimes these guys like to beat up on former teammates and things of that nature. And then they slide into one game over five days. So it's still very easy. And, and like, you're making the calculation at this point. The guy you have on the Knicks, I'm going to continue to use them as the example. You can get one game out of a Nick and then three games out of any number of teams in the NBA that go Wednesday through Sunday three times. There's one, two, three, four, five, uh, what am I looking at? Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 teams that go three times between Wednesday and Sunday. So you've got half the damn NBA of streaming level players to pick from. Would you rather have one game from, say, Josh Hart, and then three from whatever streamer you pick up for the rest of the week? Or would you rather have four games from some guy that you pick up? I think I'd rather have one of Josh Hart and three from someone I probably want less. And in addition to getting likely the better first game from Josh Hart versus a streamer-level guy, you also preserve your roster moves until, in that instance... Wednesday. And I feel somewhat similarly on the Charlotte side where, you know, you preserve those moves until Wednesday and then you probably have to move on because if you wait past that, yes, there are a couple of teams that go three times Thursday through Sunday. But either way, if you wait beyond that, you lose the ability to get two extra moves in your roster shift. That's the thing I always preach. You guys know I preach that at this long streaming time. If you're making a move... Make sure you're getting a two-game bump. But also think about when you're getting the two-game bump. And in this case, for New York, for Charlotte, two-game bump comes before or after they play their first game. Utah's a different story. Utah, they play their game today. Then you can actually get a three-game bump. Woohoo! Because they go one time over the final six days this week. God-awful stretch of schedule for the Jazz. Then their schedule gets a little better starting next week, but... Four days off in there for Utah. One game against the Celtics on Saturday of all clubs. So you can pick up someone on Tuesday, tomorrow, drop your jazz, and get a three-game bounce. Pretty darn sweet. Pretty darn sweet. So, again, think about when you're using these roster moves to get off of the bad schedules. And I would continue to say, best time is not today. Hopefully you guys were long streaming with us last week. That should have pulled you into at least a uh, not completely disastrous schedule at the beginning of this week. And then you can hold on to your moves until maybe use one tomorrow if you have a Utah player you need to get off of. You could use one on Wednesday. But at, once you're down to two moves, then you probably don't want to do anything until at least the following day. You could use one on Thursday. You could use one on Friday or Saturday. Then you're done. Or... If you use too early in the week, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, something like that, probably hold on to your other ones until Friday, I would hope, in case somebody on your team gets hurt. That's my uh, playoff streaming grid. All right, folks, thanks as always for tuning in to my recorded listeners. We'll see you on Tuesday to my live viewers. Hang out with us. And I hope to my recorded folks, you'll come hang with us live on YouTube for the next one. So long for now, everybody. Everybody.